Hey, this is Mike Patterson, your host for Embrace Growth. This is a podcast dedicated to personal growth and empowered choices. Helping to create change and transformation in your life and the world. Today on the show, I want to welcome back Brandon Clift. He lives in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Brandon and I, we get together regularly and have meaningful conversations about the world and what's going on with us. And lately we've been talking a lot about leadership. And we've decided that the time is soon for us to step forward and advance more in our leadership. Stick around. Welcome back, Brandon. Oh, do I get to use my podcast voice now? (laughs) Absolutely. Hello, Mike. My NPR voice, I call it. (laughs) Everybody, welcome back. Brandon Clift, he's been on the show before. Brandon and I are scheming some things together. But just go ahead, remind the audience, the listeners, who you are, Brandon. Hmm. Well, I'm a three on the Enneagram, so I'll be about 10 minutes. That's the abridged version. (laughs) Uh, Currently, I am a growth strategist and business coach for a marketing agency here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, Real passions of mine are around building community, sustainable community, uh, working with men and men's work. I'm seven years now into my journey with the Mankind Project. I currently host the Mankind Podcast, which is the show where we break the molds of modern manhood to prove there's more than one way to be a man said that a couple of times at this stage. Mike has been a guest on the show many times. I'm going to get him on again soon. So big part of my motivation is just to keep my agreements and be proud of the man in the mirror. More than anything, love the man in the mirror. Does that happen every day? Fuck no. <laughs> Am I getting better at it? Absolutely. So that's me in a nutshell. Oh, five foot seven, 165, uh, twisted steel and sex appeal. That's what it says on my LinkedIn. Oh, man. That, that's so so nicely polished, man. <laughs> Why Brandon's here is we're it's going to be a brief show today, everybody. But Brandon and I are scheming because we we both host podcasts and we both love leadership. Don't know a name, don't know when it's going to launch, but we are talking about starting a podcast together, talking about leadership. And so I thought, all right, well, let's get Brandon here on this show, Embrace Growth, and talk about leadership, which I've done before on this show. And for those of you that know me or understand leader champions, I believe that good people make good leaders. And in order to be a good person, that you have to do your work. You have to take a a deeper look inside to understand yourself as a human so that you can connect and lead other humans. So it's all encompassing as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Yeah. Brandon, so what's your take on leadership and why are you and I scheming together? Uh, I asked myself that question in the shower this morning. I hope you know, I do think about you in the shower. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So The motivation for me is I have been given and gifted many opportunities to lead, starting from a young age. 
sports captain at school. I was the captain of my state gymnastics team. I was in leadership for the Australian team with gymnastics. So I had early exposure and I had no effing clue what I was doing. <laughs> All I knew was that I've always been a people person. I've always wanted to see the best in other people. So I could lead with that. How I achieved that, couldn't tell you, right? Very messy in, in the learning process. Since then, I have created, built, nearly lost, built back again and sold a business for which I did have a team working with me and touched every stove possible in leadership as well. However, despite my flaws and fallibility in leadership, I have deep connections with every single person that I've ever worked with. And I'm grateful to say that. I'm grateful to be able to pick up the phone and, and call every single one of them despite how challenging of a leader I was to them, how difficult I made their professional lives and how difficult I made it for them to put food on the table. Despite all those flaws, I was able to retain those relationships. And as you and I spend more time talking about leadership, I'm starting to, to wonder, where can I take those strengths that I have, the things that are just a low-hanging fruit for me, my skills and my ability, and apply that for real impact, real influence, real change, not just professionally, but in my own life, in my relationships with those around me. The more I spend time with people like yourself, Mike, the more I start to envision the leader I want to be in my life. Going forward, I see men like you who take charge. I see men like you who have such a command of semantics when it comes to talking about leadership and guys that look like you and I right? Dreadlocks, me. I'm very, I'm a young looking person, right? We don't, we don't necessarily fit the bill. People expect the military guy with the chiseled jaw to come in and talk leadership. Yet I've witnessed the profound impact you and your team have had with your customers, with your clients in influencing their leadership for their teams. So mate, I'm just a student right now, just loving every inch of these conversations. And I think there's a, a potentially a great balance in whatever podcast comes about between me as the, the student leader and you, of course, as a student leader, but having spent more time in those trenches, having led 110 new warrior trainings, right? <laughs> All that stuff. And I'm blowing smoke right now. I know you're <laughs> more humble than, than what I'm giving you. But th these are the things that I just want to be a part of. And I'm witnessing left and right in the professional space how many employees are disengaged. I'm witnessing this, this, this mass resignation that is happening all over the world as people start to get clear on what, where their values actually lie yeah, and how they want to be led. It's, it's so interesting. You know, first off, I'm glad you mentioned the great resignation because what's happening right now is happening for such a profound reason. And it's something that I've seen for years now. And as we talk about leadership, well, I'll just say that as humans, I think that people would go to work and, you know, you'd say, hey, how's, how's your job? Yeah, it's okay. You know, yeah, fine. Yeah. Pays the bills. Same shit, different day. Exactly. And and that's just it is when I hear stuff like that, it drives me crazy because I'm thinking if there's three thirds, okay, if there if I get eight hours of sleep, which is a human, I'm, I'm 
inclined to. And if I have eight hours of work and we're not counting commute time and prep time to get to work, et cetera, and then I have eight hours for life, hopefully in a day. So if I'm spending a third of my day, possibly a third of my adult life at work, man, I want to enjoy that time. I want to actually be proud and happy and fulfilled with what I'm doing. And a lot of that has to do with the leadership. So let me go back to the great resignation. As people are like, yeah, it's okay. It's fine. People are fed up with fine. I was going through a a thing from the Conscious Leadership Group. So shout out to the Conscious Leadership Group. They have a, an actual equation for change that I was reading yesterday. And I don't have it memorized, so I'm not going to botch it here on the show. But my point is there needs to be a certain level of dissatisfaction before we as humans want to overcome the change because we resist change as humans. Right now is this great resignation where people are fed up and they're more likely to say, you know what? I'm going to embrace the unknown because COVID has taught me that there's plenty of unknown in the world, uncertainty in the world. And so I don't like what I'm doing. I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave and I'm going to take the risk of the unknown rather than put up with this shit anymore. And that has everything to do with the current state of leadership and the historical state of leadership. Absolutely. You know, I witness a lot in a couple of leaders that I've connected with and been close to is their reaction being they should be, why is this happening? They should be grateful to get the paycheck and, you know, work conditions have never been better, right? That, that, that's their mindset. But, you know, you say eight hours at work. That doesn't necessarily take into fact that overtime, it doesn't take into the equation of time spent on the weekend thinking, fretting, fearing Monday, right? Sleepless nights, right? Yep. The, oh, mate, I've had the Sunday scaries trying to enjoy my Sunday. And it's like, oh, man, I know what's on my plate tomorrow. I've worked Sundays just so Monday could be more palatable. It There is a real shift. And I think with this mass resignation, we're getting a... Uh, the great injection of coaches in the space too, which which I'm excited to see, but <laughs> we're seeing that a lot too, right? People coming from those situations because they're motivated. They've touched that stove enough times to want to be a part of the change. So I think it's a real kind of call to arms to, to reshape and adjust what it means to, to be employed or to be a professional for me, it comes down to meaningful work. I don't care what the work is. Is it meaningful? Mm. And, and what I look for in leadership is just that continual reminder of the vision. Where are we going? Because mm-hmm. I promise you, I will do that work that I would rather put off and procrastinate over. I'll do it right now. If you can just remind me, where are we going? What villain are we defeating? How are we saving the day for our customer? How are we transforming them and making their life better? How are we helping them avoid failure and achieve success? 
And are we doing that by doing some of the most menial, boring stuff? I don't care how menial and boring it is. If I know the result and I know the vision, sign me up. Yeah. And when you say meaningful work, that's so different for every one of us. And yet, one of the things that I've experienced, and so I'll call it part of my truth, is if somebody doesn't co-create what they got going on, then we don't really have their buy-in. So if somebody comes to work with me as a leader, if I can help them co-create what it is they're doing, now they have more uh, skin in the game. It's more meaningful to them. They really care about the outcome and the results so much more than if I just say, this is my vision, here's your task, go do it. But if they're like, yeah, I believe in this, this is really what I want to be doing with my life to create that environment as a leader. Now somebody jumps out of bed in the morning, excited to go to work. They want to be there. They're doing their life work. They're living in mission, whether or not they have a conscious mission statement or not. It resonates with why they want to move forward with this vision, with this task, Mm -hmm. with how they want to spend their days, purpose, meaning, all of these things that, that we as leaders would love for those that are in our charge to, to follow. Mm -hmm. You know, and I can whip myself all day for the mistakes I've made as a leader, especially in my previous company, but there was a reason why all eight of my team members would turn up on a Sunday for a workshop. Mm. Even if we had three people attend, they turned up, right? The why was clear. The context was clear. The conflict was included into that call to action to be there on the Sunday to present, to try and get some, you know, some new clients in the door. The, the structural stuff, which is also kind of the fun nitty gritty stuff is, is important, of course, but you know, as a leader, from, when I'm in a place of leadership, I want to be able to re- remove my expectations of those people, my expectations of my subordinates or my employees. And instead, as the leader, present them with the environment in which they can do their best work and they can set those expectations for themselves. And we can come to an agreement of what is great work, good work, acceptable work, and below average. Yeah. And like I said, they, they're co-creating it. So rather than you say, Hey, these are my expectations of you. You just pose it as a question. Hey, what are your expectations of, of your results of what you can accomplish here at work? And then that way, what a beautiful reframe, because if they say, this is what I can achieve, this is what I'm capable of. Now, you're just holding them accountable to what they've told you mm-hmm. rather than you trying to hold them accountable for your expectations and maybe weren't clear. But what I want to point back to is you said, I still have connection with all of those that worked for me. I might not have been a great leader at that time and whatever else words came out of your mouth. But my point is that as leaders, I think that's one thing historically that's been missing is that leaders hold themselves in a different power differential than those that they lead. 
And so therefore they, it's risky to have that connection. Yeah. So they create that power differential. But the reality is if I, as a leader have connection, if I see the humanness in those that are following me, that I understand that in their humanness, they have problems at home, they have stuff going on, they can share it with me. I can, like you said, create the environment for them to do their natural best. That just creates this huge connection, which is not historically what we've seen in leadership. Bang on. And what I love about these topics and these conversations is the degrees of nuance involved as well. Because <laughs> I can tell you right now, great. I can call those people and get a beer or go on a vacation. Like, There's great relationships there. However, I wanted to be liked more than I wanted to be respected. Whereas now, I would rather be respected first more than liked. Because I, I, can be I can be the nice guy all day. But how am I going to motivate and inspire my teams to do their best work? There's got to be that element of respect there first. So towing that line, right, between respect and like, I can tell you right now, they all liked me. Did they respect me as a leader? I should probably ask them <laughs> and find out. You know, when I think about respect, I also understand that a lot of times leaders believe that they deserve respect because of their title. Mm -mm. Yeah, not, not in today's generation. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that there's a woman by the name of Rosalind Wiseman, and she has something, um, she's created a thing called the Cultures of Dignity. It's uh, the idea that there's a difference between dignity and respect and and that people in authority believe that they somehow get respect because of their position mm. and it's not earned, okay? So as leaders, right, we have to earn the respect from yeah. those that are following us rather than just say, hey, I'm in this position, you had better respect me. And the idea is I don't even treat them with dignity, okay? And again, we could do a whole podcast on, on that topic when I have my notes in front of me, but there's a lot of things we've mentioned here in the last few minutes where I'm just like, oh, that'd be a good topic for a leadership podcast. <laughs> oh, that would be a good topic for a leadership podcast. And that's really what I want to spell out for the listeners today is that the two of us are, are scheming on some things within leadership, building some things together, but also wanting to come together and present a podcast that's dedicated to this style of leadership, the changing face of leadership. Mm. There's a wave, mate. Got to catch it. Part of my calling to this work as well is to inspire young leaders. Let them know that you don't need to be kissed by the silver mist of time and have those gray hairs to be able to have authority and to be able to stand with authority and turn up as a leader. No, you can develop those skills immediately from whatever age. To remove those barriers for young people to step into their leadership, I believe we're gonna remove a, a large gap in which a greater portion of the workforce can turn up and do some beautiful work. 
in this quick wrap, what do we want to tell the listeners that they can take away from this conversation? Or maybe what do we want to tease them with what's to come from Mike and Brandon, the shenanigans that we're creating together? Look, that's a a great question. It's on us to turn up with whatever iteration this next thing is going to be. It's on us to turn up with value and a clear call to action of what that looks like. We've got work to do before we can ask the listeners right now to stay tuned and, and you know, watch this space. No, keep going about your life. When Mike and I come out of the workshop with something that has a clear call to action, that has a clear plan to follow, that gives you real reasons and speaks to all of the layers of the problems that this podcast or this union is going to solve and be able to clearly talk about the vision, the horizon, where we're going with this, then the opportunity is to stay tuned, join this space, join us on this journey. So what I'm taking away from this is a call to action for me, for you. Let's get to work. Yeah, thanks. I like a good challenge and we got our work cut out. So when this does happen, the listeners will know. But for today, thanks for this conversation, Brandon. Thanks for being here. My pleasure is all mine. Great to be back. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of Embrace Growth. Please subscribe. That way you don't miss out on what's coming up. And if you'd leave us a five-star review, it helps other people find the show. This episode was brought to you by Leader Champions. Check it all out, leaderchampions.com. New episodes of Embrace Growth appear on Mondays. That way you can start off your week in a good way. Until next Monday, please embrace your own personal growth and support others to embrace theirs. Take care.